Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guests. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. <laughs> I'm excited today because I have with me John Schneider and David Otten from the Debt Free Guys. They are the Debt Free Guys, um, living outside the box and the closet, <laughs> and... Um, not working a regular nine to five job, but have like taken entrepreneurial leadership into a whole new role, yeah. living debt free. Uh, originally based out of Colorado, but you are traveling the globe at the <laughs> moment. So, uh, no, but from Colorado for the IRS if they're listening. Um, <laughs> and uh, their 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 mantra is live fabulously, not fabulously broke. Absolutely. Welcome, guys. It's great to have you, you guys here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. In Thank Washington, D.C. at yes, FinCon. Exactly. Yes. FinCon 2019. Bunch of money nerds getting together. <laughs> exactly. So I'm excited that you guys decided. We've done We actually did a workshop together in, a workshop. in Colorado. You've been on our podcast a couple times. I have. Yeah. We were on your radio show once. You were. Yeah. I think. The old radio show. Yeah. Oh, the money nerve. Um, so let me ask you this. We're talking about money, talking about beliefs, um, and you at this point are living debt-free. Um, so let me ask you this. What was a saying that that your parents used to say to you as a kid? Do you, each of you have something that you remember that your mom or dad, like, never talk about money oh, yeah. or uh, <laughs> don't count, you know? Yeah, my mom definitely was was the the rule breaker or the the enforcer of talking about money is rude. Of course, your mom was. <laughs> <laughs> David's mother in law used to say talking about money is rude, and now she says that David's rude. <laughs> oh, uh, I think the one that I consistently heard from my dad over and over again was that we, uh, especially when he was talking about my sister and I, that we had. Uh, champagne lifestyle on a beer budget. Um, and he kept on kind of, uh, reminding us that we were spending too much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, this is long before we were even able to drink, but we were kind of reminded on this regular basis that we were spending too much money. Wow. Yeah. And do you remember, um, like your first money experience as a kid? Like, Oh, this is something. Yeah. Um, I do, I do re- distinctly remember the whole, getting an allowance experience and that I could actually buy stuff with my allowance. Um, so I started to there and start, started to understand the uh, value of, uh, you know, putting in the work and the effort and, and, and getting money from that. But then I, I also grew up with the belief that, that you had to work hard to get money and that money was hard to get and you had to mm. stress and toil about it too. So it kind of taught me some ways and kind of perverted my perception in other ways. It's sort of cool, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think one of my first uh, or earliest uh, memories of money was when my parents took me to Capital Federal Savings and opened up a passbook savings account for me. Oh, wow. I had no clue what was going on. Um, I just liked the shape of the building and the the little thing, the little book that we got, you know, you could write your information in there, you, how much you deposited. Back then, I'm really dating myself here. Back then, they didn't have digital. Yeah, they had a little book. Re, re, yeah, they didn't have receipts. You would just write everything down yourself, which is very trusting. I don't, I don't realize, you know, looking back on it, very trusting of these financial institutions for you to just record your own information. Yeah, you get a statement, like, I guess maybe once a, a quarter or something <laughs> like that, right? But that was one of 
my first, I think, my first experiences. Um, savings never stuck with me, though. Ah. <laughs> it's just much more fun to spend. That's an easier yeah. concept. Yes, right? exactly. Definitely. <laughs> Get stuff. Yes. And more and more stuff. So, all right. So if you think back to when you were 10, 11, 12, 13, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, um, where did your families rank financially compared to the other kids in school? Were you in the uh, upper middle class, the filthy rich, uh, the the less affluent? Like, where Do you remember that, and, and how did you know? Yeah, we were um, – my family was definitely upper middle class. Um, I just knew because we went to a private Catholic school, hmm. um, and the – Catholic people aren't as humble as they're supposed to be. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Allegedly. Being a, being a reformed Allegedly. Catholic <laughs> myself, I can say that. Um, and we were members of a country club, and my dad um, was constantly traveling out of the country for work. So it's just I, – I don't know exa- exactly how I knew it. I just knew that we were um, you know, not poorly well off right now. Uh, I had a very different experience. Um uh, when I was a child, when I was very young, uh, my dad worked for um, a uh, bomb-making factory, Okay, uh, lack of a better term. Somebody's got to do it. Right, yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> the, he, built, uh, he built nuclear bombs. Uh, so um, made a significant amount of money. Um, but then um, when I was uh, probably around seven years old, my dad quit that job because uh, my family became very religious. And so it was against their religion, religious beliefs. Uh, and my dad got another job and took a 50% cut in pay. Wow. And uh, that's when my mother started working. And uh, that's when I think a kind of a scarcity mindset or mentality was installed in our family mm. of uh, we don't have a lot of money. Uh, uh, you know, the expenses all stayed the same, but the income coming in had changed. And so uh, the first time ever when I was in school that we started to uh, get government assistance for lunches uh, and uh, free milk and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but as uh, time went by, um, our family did improve. Uh, so at I would say maybe when I was in my mid-teens, um, we were now at a point where probably we were uh, firmly in the, in the middle class because uh, my dad did a pretty decent job of uh, growing his, uh, his salary by continuing to work. Cool. When did you first realize that debt might have a negative impact? <laughs> I was like 30 years old. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this isn't working out. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, when I graduated high school, or I'm sorry, when I graduated college, my parents, uh, grandparents gave me uh, $5,000 cash as a graduation present. Mm-hmm. And so I moved out to Colorado from uh, Pennsylvania, and I had this surplus of cash. And it was about a year after that that I was um, in over $25,000 in credit card debt myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I t- took a complete turnaround and it was about that time uh, about a year or so after moving out there that i realized oh this i've got all this debt it's not working out and it's just making things worse for me um it's stressing me out and struggling to pay bills and so um yeah i was about 26 27 at the time okay what about you dave uh, when I was 19, uh, right after I had graduated from, or about a year after I graduated from high school, uh, my family had previously lived a year and a half in Ireland. And uh, so my parents um, and I agreed that it would be cool for me to go to Ireland and visit friends. Um, we went to a 
credit union where I we all had accounts, and my mother opened up a emergency for emergencies only credit card for me. <laughs> right, she co-signed on it, and uh-huh. um, we I went on that trip. Uh, it was gone for three weeks, and uh, I never saw the back of a police car or an ambulance. But I came back with a credit card that was completely maxed out, uh, <laughs> and it was for 17 years after that, that I have, I had credit card debt. Um, but the experience that really, I had no clue what I was doing with it. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I had balance. I would pay my minimum payments. I thought that's the, this is just the way credit cards work. Right. Um, but the real, uh, I think that the time period when I really realized it was having a negative impact on my life was, uh, I was living in South Dakota and I had gotten to a point where, uh, I didn't really wasn't earning enough money to live off of, and so I had contacted my parents and I said I need to borrow some money. So my parents wired money to my uh, account in South Dakota, and I had not, I had no idea what garnishment was, but my account had been garnished. So yeah. they wired money to me, and I was excited. I went down to the bank, and they said, "Oh, that money's gone. It's already been taken out of your account." And I was like, "By who?" And they said, by the credit card company, the credit cards you haven't been paying. And so I had to go back to my parents again and explain to them what was happening. Of course, this, it made my, it really bothered my parents, but that's when I realized that, okay, this can have a negative impact on your life. Did I learn my lesson? Not for a few more years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you two met, uh, is it debt that brought you together, or oh. what? Like, did you know sexy each other had debt? debt? Sexy debt. debt. <laughs> debt. Did you, I mean, did you guys keep the debt from each other? Did you like? Yeah. So when we first got together, we got together because of hormones and pheromones, not because of money. But um, a year and a half after we got together, we realized that uh, we were financial messes. Um, but all up until that point, we we were had both been in financial services our entire careers, and. Um, up until that point, we just kind of assumed that the other one had to be doing better than we than, like we were. <laughs> like he can't be as screwed up as I am. Um, but I realized, uh, you know, a year and a half after that, that we were actually both pretty equally horrible with our finances. Um, so yeah, but we didn't talk about it. That wasn't anything we talked about, you know, in the beginning of our relationship. Um, but thankfully, we did because it, it was only because we had that discussion that we started to, to figure out, you know, what is it we really want in life? Um, what are we doing wrong? How are we getting into this situation? And what can we start to do to, to fix things? How long did it take you to get out of debt, out of the debt, like the old debt and the uh, the debt that was just like weighing you down. Yeah. So it took us about two and a half years to pay off all $51,000 of our credit card debt. Okay. But then we got into debt a couple of times thereafter. I think it was like six months later, we realized we had a couple more thousand dollars in credit card debt. So probably it's all total, maybe till we stopped going back into credit card debt about three, three and a half years. Yeah, probably. Do you, is there any good debt? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm, I one time I would say maybe that that student loan debt was a good it was maybe a healthy kind of debt. Um, maybe a healthy amount these days is still good. Um, I think mortgage debt can it makes sense, um, and I'm not entirely averse to 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 auto loans. Um, but I think everything needs to be done in moderation. I think that most of us buy more car and more house and more education than we need, mm-hmm. um, and we're financing almost every aspect of our lifestyles right now. So um, I think you know, like anything, it can be abused. Um, so I think in moderation and, and, and understanding what you can afford and what you need um, is you know, maybe the way to approach it. What would you say is your key success to your current relationship with money as a couple? Honesty. 
I think that's probably the most important thing is being honest with each other. Uh, that's that, you know, when, when we, uh, came clean, came out of the closet about Mm -hmm. our financial situation to each other, we realized uh, the things that we were doing in our lives that were um, dishonest Mm -hmm. with to ourselves and to each other about how we would spend, you know, going out to dinner and spending more money than we should have or could have, you know, financially could have afforded or buying each other's gifts or buying ourselves things and not letting the other person know that we had purchased something. You know, it was, it wasn't until we had that kind of honesty with each other that we really started to recognize how we could change our lives and still be happy and still have fun and enjoy life and pay off all that debt. I think that's uh, one of the things that really is kind of a struggle for most people is that um, recognizing that we get in, most of us get into this financial situation because of ourselves. We do this to ourselves, right? Most of the time, credit card debt, uh, most of our debt is not related to someone else doing something to us. The vast majority of us, like we like to say, have a spending problem, not an income problem. We could right. easily afford the life that we were living, but we weren't doing it in a, a, a smart manner. And for that reason, we were paying $10,000 a year in credit card interest. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So I think before that, though, we had to get honest with ourselves. And it wasn't until we realized that we were such financial messes that we realized that we weren't we didn't know what our values were, so we weren't spending according to our values. And w- when we realized what was most important to us as individuals, um, then we could start to spend accordingly and and use those as goals to help get us out out of a, the the negative situation that we were in. And then when we when we figured out what those goals were, then we could kind of hold each other accountable. Like, okay, so we could ask each other, is you know, is this new pair of jeans really going to support us in you know our, the retirement that we say that we want to have or the travel that we say that we want to do? And it you know kind of gave us some checks and balances. How do you navigate your financial differences? Uh, maybe one of you wants to spend and one of you wants to save, or one of you wants to buy a new pair of jeans, the other one wants to go to Hawaii. How do you, how do you work that out? I make all final decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I would well, probably <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> For the most part, I probably agree with that. <laughs> well, I think what's interesting is that uh, when we looked back on our spending habits, uh, clearly ne- neither of us were savers, right? Mm-hmm. We had that um, amount of credit card debt. But John was a big spender. I was a nickel and dimer. And because we know that about each other, mm-hmm. we can pick up on each other's habits, right? Right. This desire to uh, want to, he has a desire to want to spend big amounts of money on certain items. And I have this desire to, eh, it's no big deal. It's just a bagel and coffee and it's only $11, right? It's not a big deal, and, right. but it's a big deal if we do it every single day of the week, right? Uh, so because we understand each other's habits and we can call each other out, you know, and there have been plenty of times when we have called each other out and we say, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, get real with yourself. I think at this point, um, over the last couple of years, as we've been growing our business, um, our biggest challenge hasn't been mostly about spending so much as it has been trying to uh, scale our business and, and, and get the uh, the income that we need. I mean, David said earlier that most people have a spending problem, not an income problem. Um, and at, at this, uh, over the last couple of years, it's been more the other way around for us. Um, so we haven't really been extravagant expen- uh, spenders. Um, it's and when we have been spending uh, maybe beyond our means, it's, it's been more of an investment in the business. Mm-hmm. So trying to like do that in a, in a healthy way and not mm-hmm. sabotage ourselves, um, that's kind of been the greater challenge for us right now. And so what would you say living fabulously means to you? Like that's your mantra, right? Mm-hmm. Right. right? 
Yeah. For, for us, that definition is whatever it means to you. You know, there was a time in our, our lives we were spending, um, we realized in hindsight that we were spending to make up for um, feelings of inadequacy when we were growing up, being bullied and picked on and treated like we were different. Um, and so spending in, in our adulthood was sort of to say, hey, look, I am validated. I am as good as uh, you never thought I was. Um, but then it was also, uh, we live, we were from a community of people who have a very... Um, narrow definitions of success and you're supposed to look a certain way and dress a certain way and go to all the right parties and have the right kind of cars. Uh, and then we, we got ourselves consumed in that because we didn't have enough security about ourselves that we, we felt if we didn't have those things that they wouldn't accept us either. Um, and it wasn't until we realized what was most important to us, which was travel, retirement, and giving back to our community, that we could then say, okay, all these other things, they're not actually as important as we once thought they were. Yeah. They might be important to someone else, but it's not important to us. Um, and I don't know exactly what the question was anymore, yeah, no, but I think no, I did a really you're, good you're job de- answering it. You know, you're definitely <laughs> going down the right path. You, you said it at the outset. Uh, fabulous is how you define it, right? right. And so for some people... Um, feeling fabulous means that they get to go to the mountains on a retreat and spend a thousand dollars doing yoga for seven days. Right. Mm -hmm. But for someone else, it means having an Audi S three, right. But your budget doesn't necessarily allow you to both. So you have to determine to your, your, you have to determine yourself, which one of these is going to give me long-term happiness. Cause that's what fabulousness is, is being happy, right? We are right. really happy about ourselves. Fabulous isn't being able to show off to everyone else. That's the false def- definition of fabulous that our culture has gotten consumed with. That's the reason why Facebook and Instagram ha- are full of feeds of people showing off their lives is because they feel like they have to define fabulous based on what everybody else thinks is fabulous. Fabulous, right? right. If you define fabulous on your own terms, you become happy. And our budget, uh, our whole desire around budgeting is budgeting to what it will bring you deep happiness. I would venture to say there aren't too many people that spending seven dollars on a caramel macchiato at Starbucks brings them deep happiness. Right. Um, oh, but some days it some does. days it does. <laughs> right. It's, I'm not going to say it's not. You know, but there. I think that there are all always opportunities for us to look at and say, does this, will this give me some long-term happiness or is this momentary happiness that I don't need, or maybe I do need a little bit of momentary happiness right now. And so that's, that's how we define the, the, the living a fabulous life, because if you define it that way, then you can do it without going into debt. You can be fabulous, but not fabulously broke. Cool. So John, David, this is the segment of our show called Just Ask, where a listener has pre-recorded a question for a future guest, which for today is you. Uh, this episode's Just Ask question comes from Lisa. Hey, I'm Lisa from Atlanta. What I wanted to ask is, what is one financial issue you still struggle with? I know for me, um, and this this goes all the way back to, I think, back to that time period in my life where financially things changed for our family. Um, I struggle with a scarcity mentality, mm-hmm. um, whether it's time or uh, what I can earn. Uh, I think that's the big thing is I have this, 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 this scarcity mentality mm-hmm. when it comes to earning enough money. I always have this fear that we're never going to earn enough money to actually get where we want to go in life. But at the same time, then that scarcity translates into um, when money does come in, I don't want to let it go out. 
And it has to come in and go out in order for uh, our financial lives to run properly, right? That is one of the reasons why I got into so much credit card debt was because the money was coming in. Oftentimes, I had $1,000 or more in my checking account, but I would use my credit cards because I didn't want that. I always had to have that extra money sitting there, you know, my safety zone, right? That was, yeah. that, that was my scarcity mentality. So I racked up all this credit card debt, and pretty soon I couldn't afford to pay even with what I had in my checking account. Uh, so I struggle with this mentality and it translates into a lot of different aspects of my life and my business. Um, I'm working really hard on it right now. <laughs> I have a lot of mantras. Uh, I remind myself uh, uh, oftentimes, John reminds me, he'll smack me on the back of the head and say, you're being scarce. No, he doesn't smack me. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, that's something I still struggle with. Yeah, I think for me personally, I still struggle with the limiting beliefs of, about what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially as we're, we're growing our business, we do a lot of work to, to grow our business, but that, that only takes you so far. So we've been doing a lot of work on ourselves as well. Um, and I, I, I realize that I, I still struggle with um, with thinking that we we can have more and that we deserve more, and that the work that we're doing is adding enough value to be able to provide us at least enough income to have creature comforts. Um, so I think I still struggle with that, but it's again, something that we work on, you know, we do our meditations every day. We journal, we, uh, listen, do our affirmations, um, do a lot of reading. And so I think we're both kind of, uh, working away at it. And do you like when you're working with people either one-on-one or when you write or when you, uh, speak to, uh, groups, do you let people know that, you like that maybe we never arrive at the journey. Um, like for me, I, I just feel like, yeah, there's a lot of things I've, I've figured out and I've made adjustments, but there's still places where I struggle and there's still places where I go back to old beliefs where they creep back in, where I thought I worked them out. And I think some people have a belief that, Oh, I've worked that out and it'll never show its face again. And I'm just wondering if like, that's something that, you consciously say to other people, it's, Hey, it's like, it's a journey or, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know that we, I was going to say, I think that's the, why we like to tell individuals that when we paid off our $51,000 in credit card debt and we celebrated, uh, after that, we had gave ourselves a reward for that, paying that off that six months or so later, we found ourselves back having a balance on our credit cards. And it was because, uh, I think that after we paid it off the first time, we said, oh, we can go back to our old ways, right? We had arrived, like you just said. Right. We had arrived. We were debt-free. We could do whatever we wanted to do. Well, no, we couldn't. And I, I like to say, uh, you know, there's that saying, what got you here won't get you there, but right. what got you debt-free will keep you debt-free. And so that's what we had to go back to. We had to go back to, okay, let's, what were the habits that help us get out of debt? Those are the habits that are going to help us stay out of debt. Those habits then allowed us to build up a retirement savings and enough savings so that we could at some point leave our jobs and start our own business. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we, uh, as we're growing our business, we're in several masterminds. We have uh, coaches and mentors and people who are, are definitely uh, several steps ahead of us. Um, and it's interesting to hear them talk about how sometimes they still have the same fears and concerns that, that we're still having. And y- we look at them and we're like, okay, you've got it all figured out. You're, you're rocking it. You don't have these, these fears anymore. You, know, these, you don't have these limiting beliefs. And every now and then they're like, yeah, we, we, 
you still have them here. Have them. Sometimes it's just a lo- looks a little bit different, but um, we all still have them. So I think, yes, it's a constant work in progress. And someday we'll all be Oprah, but we're not there yet. Not there yet. <laughs> and so let me ask you this. So the moment when you paid off your debt and you celebrated, and then a few months later there was debt, mm-hmm. did you judge yourselves? Did you beat yourselves up? Did you feel like you were like – not I walking the talk. I beat John. No. Yeah, well, that's a good. I mean, that's it's always that's a, better. It's called a spanking in our community. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh-oh. Different podcast. Okay. Sorry. Bleep bleep. Um, no, I, we actually. I think we were very pragmatic about it. We just we, we looked at our balances and we're like, you know, we're screwing this up again. And we know exactly what we what we need to be doing. So you know, let's just course correct. Fortunately, we never got anywhere close to to fifty one thousand dollars in credit card debt again. Um, and you know, so it, it was small enough we could could rectify it pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, the the struggle I think that most people have when they make some sort of change like that is that they um and they find themselves back in that situation is that they do want to beat themselves up but it, it, that's not going to help you get anywhere, right? Comparing yourself to uh your past self or comparing yourself to someone else or um not uh Putting yourself in a positive mindset, you're never going to move forward at the speed or maybe make the progress that you want to make. You, you can't can erode every pro, all the progress that you made. So I'm gonna, I know we're getting close to the end, so I want to ask you one final question. Sure. What do you want your legacy to be? Deep thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll tell you a, a little bit of a story here uh, because we're at FinCon. Um, and because John and I said that our three primary goals uh, in life are to save for retirement, to travel, and to give back to the LGBT community. The first time we came to FinCon uh, in 2015, uh, we not only ourselves noticed it, but other people told us that we were the only out LGBT people at the conference talking to the LGBT community about money. Uh, we had a meetup this year, uh, LGBT meetup here at the conference, uh, and there were 54 LGBT bloggers, cr- content creators who are working in the personal finance space to help our community. And our community really, really desperately needs that. That information has been lacking for forever. You know, it's only recently that you were starting to see financial services companies paying attention to the LGBT community. We have legacy feelings about ourselves, legacy uh, financial issues, and we have additional challenges that are not being addressed. And John and I believe, or at least I, 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 we believe that there is such a huge opportunity. And John and I are so glad that we are out at the forefront of helping make this happen. And we want to see this continue to grow. It cannot happen just with our voices. There need to be hundreds of other LGBT people talking about money to our community so that our community can do better. Yeah, I would say that the biggest reward that we get are the random emails or direct messages that we get um, very often from from people who uh, in college or younger. And they're just like, they're they're thankful that there's there are gay people talking about this. It gives them kind of hope to know that, that, that there's an opportunity out them out there for them. Um, and that they don't have to live a life uh, of unhappiness or destitution or whatever it is, their parents or family or church or institutions are telling them they're going to, their lives are going to look like. Um, and I think, um, those, 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 uh, that outreach kind of gives us a lot of hope. And I think that's ultimately when we look back, that's going to be what I think the biggest reward of, of what we're doing, hopefully. So if I'm hearing you correctly, um, like it really sounds like there's um, an intention to be of service, um, that there's a need to be honest with yourself 
and with your partner and, and maybe even with your friends around financial situation rather than trying to uh, live a projection, but like live, like truly live within your means, live fabulously, but uh, like prioritize mm-hmm. and figure out what are the things that you love. And that's maybe where you spend your money and put, put your passion there. And, mm-hmm. and the things that aren't bringing you passion and love is maybe they don't need to spend so much money there. Right. Um, and that um, it sounds like there's a, a bit around um, uh, intentionality. And at least what I sort of heard was a bit of compassion with yourselves um, in terms of when you misstep or go back to an old belief system is to just like not to take yourself out, but to have a little bit of, of compassion and kindness to yourselves and remember to stay on track with this is our goal and this is what we're heading to. And we go back to the bigger picture. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would just add, uh, you know, oftentimes there's a lot of shame around our financial situations, mm-hmm. especially in, uh, in places like the United States where we are often judged based on our financial situation. Right. Yeah, and if absolutely. we don't appear the way that everybody wants us to appear, then we get judged. Right. I always like to say, especially when it comes to credit card debt or debt in general, um, that there is no shame in having it. The shame is not having a plan to do something about fixing it. That's where we need to focus. Let's focus on the plan to fix things. Don't worry about what everybody else thinks about what you have or you don't have. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, let me ask you this. Where can people find you so that they can learn to be living debt-free, living fabulously, and not fabulously broke? We are uh, the Debt Free Guys on uh, all social media platforms as well as our website. Uh, And we also have the Queer Money Podcast. And um, do you have any speaking engagements coming up? So you're traveling the world, like so. Maybe that's not happening at the moment. Uh, we we actually are speaking at a couple of corporate BRGs in the country uh, right now, uh, but nothing uh, public. We're looking to put together something more public and bigger for 2020. So more to come on that. Sweet. Well, I so appreciate having you guys on here um, on the Money You Should Ask podcast. Don't forget to share the laughs. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. And if you have a question you would like to ask one of our future guests, you can visit us at www.moneyyoushouldask.com and click on the Record a Question button. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. For more tips, stories, financial tools to help you have a healthier relationship with your money, be sure to check out themoneynerve.com. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.